from Los Angeles, California. This is Burncast. And she's the bomb. And he's Quinn. Happy Tutu Tuesday and welcome to Burncast. In today's episode, we speak to Gigi Delamore of the Bureau of Erotic Discourse about their use of a sex-positive message to help prevent sexual assault on the playa. But first, as always, the, the Burncast, Burncast Community, Community Bulletin Board. First up is a message from Shebat. Black Rock Philharmonic and Burning Dan are looking for members. We are over 50 musicians strong and counting. If you would like to join the largest musical group on the playa, grab your violin, French horn, or flute and write to us. You can reach us at shedat at gmail.com. That's S-H-E-B-A-T-T at gmail.com. Or find us in the Google groups under BRPhil. We'd be happy to have you join us. Thanks, Shebat. That's a wrap for the Burncast Community Bulletin Board. Hey, we love getting your emails, but we can't hear them or play them on the show. Burncast wants to hear from you, so we invite you to participate by calling in your feedback, comments, rants, or raves at the Burncast hotline, which is 775-363-5861. The upside is, you still don't have to put on your pants, you just gotta grab the phone. (laughs) Or you can leave a message by clicking on the My Chingo voice recorder at our website, burncast.net. Remember, you're gonna need a microphone on your computer to leave a message. Okay, with me in the studio is Quinn. Hey, Quinn. Hi, Bomb. How you doing? I'm just fine. What did you do for Burncast this week? Well, I got an opportunity to talk to Gigi from the Bureau of Erotic Discourse. Uh, as many people, um, I had seen the ubiquitous flyers that Bed puts out in the porta potties, <laughs> and I don't know if you remember, but I I vaguely recall uh, some materials that were were floating out there about a workshop they did called "How to Get Laid at Burning Man." How do you get laid at Burning Man, Quinn? Well, I'll show you in a few weeks. Ah! <laughs> okay. But what really got me interested in Bed was um, hearing about their role in a sexual assault case and a little karmic smackdown uh, that came on the perpetrator. Oh, well, let's listen. Gigi, welcome to Burncast. Thank you. So now you are part of the Bureau of Erotic Discourse. Yes, I am. I am one of the founding members. And we're a core group of about 30 people who um, believe in sex-positive messages and teaching positive messages about sex and consent and preventing the things that we don't want on the play, like sexual assault and um, other inappropriate behavior. So how long ago did uh, bed start? Let's see. Our first year on the playa was in 2005. Uh, We were started... It started from a conversation that had come up after the 2004 burns. And what had happened in 2004 that started this whole conversation was... um, On TribeNet, on the Burning Women tribe, there was one of our members who had basically a Yahoo moment. Her and her boyfriend were on an art car. They got split up. She went to go to jump off the art car, and 
this guy just ran up, saw an opportunistic moment, reached his hand up under her skirt and grabbed a fistful of uh, her pussy, basically. And although it wasn't a rape in the traditional sense of rape or a sexual assault in, well, I mean, it was a sexual assault, but not the way a lot of people would think about it. It was definitely a opportunistic thing it really traumatized her and she ended up missing an event and that particular event spurned a series of conversations and more women coming forward with other stories as well as some men as well we got to remember sexual assault is not gender biased um that made many of us say hey we don't want this in our community we don't want sexual assault we don't want people being inappropriate and let's do something about it and so we founded the beer erotic discourse now, what does bed do? I mean, how how um, what was your first step? What was your first thought as to what to do about it? Okay, well, what bed does and what our first steps were. Um, to be honest, that was really hard to figure out at first. We didn't know if we needed to make services available to people or not. And what we discovered through a lot of participation and cooperation with the Burning Man organization. Um, is that they really are amazingly prepared for this kind of thing. The problem is no one knows about it. Uh, Burning Man organization has put together through the emergency services every kind of service you could possibly need or desire in the unfortunate event of a sexual assault or many, any other kind of emergency for that matter. And so what we discovered on that journey is that we didn't have to worry about providing counseling or services or anything else. What we did need to do was provide information in a few forms and get the word out because we needed to start changing the mindset of people because there were some mindsets several years ago that one, which turned out to be not true, is that the Burning Man organization was ignoring the issue of sexual assault and trying to push it under the table. Now, I will tell you flat out that they didn't always handle things in the best way and even they will admit that. But it was more an issue of it just wasn't an issue that we as a community had embraced as important yet. Because when we did, it changed. Mm -hmm. The other misconception out there was that sexual assault didn't happen on the playa. And it actually does. And it has for years. So we decided that our first steps would be, number one, to get information out. And we aren't a lot of people, and we're not organized in a camp. We're, that is not a theme camp. We're not any type of official organization. We don't get any official funding. We are strictly individuals from all over the United States and Canada, um, from all different camps, who decided this was important to us. So the first step was porta potty posters, which if you've gone Burning Man in the last two years and again this year, you will see in if not every porta potty, a great number of them, little basically public service announcements, letting people know some of our key messages that silence is not consent, that no means no. Um, some of the phrases are fun, like, this is not a petting zoo, which we get a lot of laughs over, or communication is the best lubricant, which we really believe that you need to talk about things. Because part of your erotic discourse, we are sex positive, which means we think sex is a good thing, not a bad thing. We think it's a wonderful thing when in the right context. So we need to educate about that. The second thing we did and have done is we do workshops on the playa. We do usually about three 
every burn where we teach a class on sexual consent, communication, as well as some information on what to do if a situation goes wrong or you need help or maybe how to get yourself or a friend out of a bad situation. And we kind of cover all of that. And we're continuing to look for new ways to expand, but that's what we started out with. So you found that the Burning Man organization has all the tools to cope with a, a sexual assault on the playa, but not many people know about it? Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's exactly the case. Is I've but worked with Joseph Pratt a great deal, um, as well as other members of the Burning Man organization. They've been amazingly supportive uh, because we are actually, in the history of Burning Man, a unique, one-of-a-kind organization. There's never been a grassroots mo- movement before that had nothing to do with a theme camp or anything official. We just decided there was a need, and we started very much like in the default world, a nonprofit organization or something, but we aren't, um, where we just started doing something. So we were able to get a lot of support from them where they published our information. If you look in the survival guide that just recently was delivered, you'll see a little blurb that says, a message from our friends at the Bureau of Erotic Discourse, um, which is amazing that they got behind us on that. We're in the JRS. But, yeah, what we discovered was they were prepared they know about it. They have special counselors. They have special medical teams. They work with the law enforcement officers as well to try and take care of any situation like this. And you know, if there's one message I can get out there to anyone is please never be afraid to report anything that happens to you on the plot, whether it's a sexual assault or anything else, out of fear that it won't be handled right or it won't be taken seriously or that they aren't equipped. From my experience, honestly, I would rather go to their services than some of the services I've seen in some small towns or other areas. They are so together. They are so equipped. They have prepared so much to try and anticipate any of the needs that we may have as a community. So I've been amazingly impressed with what they've done. Now, with having all these services available, oh, why why do you think they had troubles with people not knowing where to go? Well, you know, I don't think anybody ever really addressed that. I'm trying to think, why don't people know what Burning Man has to offer as far as services? That's a really good question. Um, <laughs> the, the marketing and promotion and media side of me says, you know, poor marketing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, get a better advertiser, get a better spin doctor, Burning Man. Uh, but that, that's, you know, all in good fang, tongue in cheek. I think a lot of it is that people just don't think to ask, and it's not brought up in conversation. A problem with sexual assault is it's kind of this silent problem. And and it's not just a Burning Man. This is a cultural-wide issue. It's widely known that rape is the most underreported crime. It's highly underreported. It's even more underreported by men than it is by women. And again, this is one of those messages I've been trying to get out for a long time. Men are raped as well. People sometimes laugh and make jokes about it, but it happens. And men are less likely to report a sexual assault against them than a woman is. And women aren't that likely to do it either. So it sounds as though a lot of the issues we have in our default world 
carries straight across onto the playa. Right. Let's face it. We all go to Burning Man to have a good time, right? We want to have fun. We want this to be our getaway. It's it's a playground for grown-ups in a lot of ways. I mean, there's full-size playground equipment, and there's some of the most exciting, wonderful, carefree experiences out there. And the last thing you want to think about is all the crap you have to deal with back at home. But the problem is we have 40,000 people in our community every year out there. That's a really decent-sized city. And all the problems that happen in a normal city happen there, which means, statistically, you are going to have sexual predators that come out there. It's just the truth. It's just going to happen. You're going to have people who get sick. You're going to have people who are happy. You're going to have people who are sad. You're going to have crimes committed. You're going to have thefts committed. And, yeah, you're going to have sexual assaults and rapes committed at Burning Man. And it's a statistical thing that's just going to happen. I mean, we like to think we're a utopia, but the truth of the matter is we're a city. (laughs) Maybe a city that has amenities that are unheard of in other cities, but we are a city. Um, So, yeah, exactly. You hit the nail on the head. The problems that we have in the default world go to Burning Man, too. (laughs) And now, and you also do workshops. Tell tell me a little bit about the workshops. Well, the workshops are a lot of fun. Um, like I said, we do about three of them a year. Keep in mind, we we are a small group. We really need more people. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. If anybody wants to join, we could use some help. <laughs> um, <laughs> we have about five or six of us who participate in the workshops. Um, our workshops, we got a lot of help designing them from some people who have worked with um, sexual assault, sexual assault prevention, their therapists, whatever, helped us design the, what we teach. And like I said, the fun. That's if you, can, you get the chance to come out to one of our workshops. Um, they're a lot of fun. I'm a really fun-loving person, if you can't tell. <laughs> I have a lot of fun there, and we play as well as teach at our workshops. The, the title of your workshop, what, what, what do you call the um, workshop? Well, Clarity and Consent, Negotiating Sex on the Playa. Now, the first year we were out there, we did use a different title called How to Late, Get Late at Burning Man. Um, we rethought that the second year because we didn't want to seem like we were giving out the wrong message. We wanted to make it a little clearer what we were about. Mm-hmm. So we do call the bookshop Clarity and Consent, Negotiating Sex on the Playa. And I think I kind of mentioned what we go through as far as it's a little bit of role play, a little bit of games, and we cover some different main points. Part of it is establishing boundaries, figuring out what your boundaries are, figuring out how to talk about boundaries. And role-playing, um, real communication about sex, because that is something that mm-hmm. it's really hard to do. I don't care who you are. Um, I'm a pretty open person, and it can be, get embarrassing for me, too. So that's why we do this. And then you also demonstrate um, actually verbally communicating uh-huh. what your wants and desires yes, are. Yes, we do. Generally, when we're doing that part of the workshop, um We'll actually have some of us just stand up and just address to the audience something loud and bold, like, I want to be kissed. Um, or in some cases, I want to be spanked. <laughs> um, I want my nipple tweaked. I want to massage your feet. 
I want my toes licked. Uh, okay, I'm, I'm seeing one here about a uh, very attractive long vegetable that I, I think I might pass on. <laughs> like I said, we have a lot of fun with those. Yeah, yeah, okay. So I, I guess now I'm expressing my sexual boundaries with vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> Do you actually bring vegetables along to the workshops? You know, I haven't brought a vegetable yet, but you never know. I'm really unpredictable. So, okay, we, you, um, people come to the workshops, you, you have some role play, you talk about, uh, expressing sexual boundaries and, and desires, letting people know what you want. Um, what what other sort of information do you do you give people when they come to the workshops? Well, um, part of our, our basic format is we we do then go through. We start with sexual boundaries, then we do more role playing about how to actually have that conversation. We also do uh, have a section that we specifically address how to handle when someone's not respecting your boundaries or someone else's. And we do talk about the fact that we're supposed to be there for each other um, because, and, and this is one of my other little public service announcements kind of moments, where I've had, doing this has really opened my eyes. I never expected that this would have as much impact, but one of the things that's happened is a lot of people have come to me with stories, and I've heard a lot of stories from both men and women where they've either had someone intervene for them or they have intervened or they wish they had intervened when they've seen something going awry on the playa. And I have to encourage us all that although we are not our brother's keeper, um, it's we still are a community and if you see something that's really off, how you know, it's time to it's okay to step in and say, Hey, this doesn't feel right, are you sure you're okay? Do you want me to get you back to campmates kind of situation? We cover stuff like that as well. Mm-hmm. Um but the other aspect that isn't you're never gonna see on our outlines is we are a little bit free form as far as we address whatever comes up. We have a whole question answer section at the end of the class where I found myself answering questions or having conversations about everything from how to start dating after a divorce to what's the best type of STD testing out there. So you never know what's going to be out there. <laughs> you never know what we're going to cover at one of our classes. We're, kind of, we're, we're a fun group that's free for all. Hopefully, if you're successful, you have uh, a whole new group of people out there who are uh, communicating Absolutely. with each other. But part of it is also knowing what to do if something does go awry, if uh, if you or a friend of yours, uh, campmate, is uh, is assaulted, what what should they do? Well, the very first thing is when you're sexually assaulted, you need to tell somebody. Frequently, women or men will not report because, and this is a big one, I was high or I was drunk at the time. And, you know... Um, Maybe not everyone knows this. I happen to grow up in a law enforcement family. I've also, again, talked at length with the Burning Man organization, and we've talked with some law enforcement officials on this as well. And if there's a message I could send out there loud and clear is, if you are sexually assaulted while you are under the influence of whatever, 
whatever the case may be, report it anyway. The law enforcement officials are much more interested in apprehending and removing sexual predators and perpetrators from our community than they are in busting you for being high or or not taking you seriously because you're drunk. They will take you seriously. They're not going to arrest you or anything else because you were sexually assaulted while you were high. You need to report it. And the other reason you need to report this, because this is something that's brought home to me when someone was inappropriate with me years ago, is that even if you're able to defend yourself and get away from the situation and you go, well, it wasn't that bad. He really, I mean, he only stuck his hands down my pants or he only was whatever. I know I did that once. Uh, the problem is, okay, you were able to, what about the next girl? What if, or next guy? What if the next person that person goes after is your sister or your brother or your mother or your best friend or the 16-year-old kid that's camping with you? You know, a part of your responsibility if something happens is to let other people know, not just for yourself, but so that it doesn't happen to anyone else. Because people who do this kind of thing tend to do it over and over and over again. They don't see this as an issue. They don't see it as a boundary violation. So if you need to report a sexual assault... First of all, if you or your campmate is assaulted, please go get a ranger right away. The rangers are amazing, amazing, well-trained volunteers. They can then enact a system that's already laying in place where they will get a hold of the correct people and have the correct service and service people and the correct professionals on hand to take care of you. All you need to get a hold of is a ranger. And they're pretty easy to find. They're usually everywhere anyway, but there are three major stations that you can usually clearly identify. You can go to center camp or you can go to the two, there's the blue crosses on either side of the playa that you can see from far distances. So any of those three places are easy places to access assistance. So now you were telling me that uh, there's a particular story where a um, a case with somebody who uh, was a yeah. sexual assault uh, on the playa? Yes, actually, that that case, there was a camp heebie-jeebies. Actually, probably many people are familiar with it, and um, heebie-jeebies had something, ha- had a sexual assault happen at their camp. Now, the first thing I want to say is heebie-jeebies is an amazing camp. There is nothing they did that um, promoted this. Actually, in fact, the steps heebie-jeebies took is what enabled us to bring this to trial capture the perpetrator and make sure that this is taken care of. They are very together, but they are an example that no matter how well you prepared you are, sexual assault can happen even in the best places and in the safest places, okay? What happened is there was a gentleman who came in as a guest masseuse. He um, apparently, you know, did all their credentials. They do photograph people. Thank you, heebie-jeebies, for doing that. Um, and in these open spaces where there are people getting massages, they have an overseer who watches things. And apparently what happened is the gentleman performing the massage um, started doing some very inappropriate things to the woman that he was massaging and was basically um, sexually assaulting her uh, using his hands So, without going into any more detail. What happened is he was caught doing that. He took off. 
the rangers ended up, through the photographs, were able to capture him. When that came out, it turned out another woman had also been a sexual assaulted. She came forward, was able to pick him out. When those two stories came out, a third victim of the same man's came forward who had been actually raped by him in 2003 but had not reported it um, because she was in one of those situations where she felt that um, her that because she had invited him back to her tent and that she wasn't sober at the time, that even though she repeatedly said no, that it was her fault. And so like many of us, or many people do, she didn't report it. Um, her case was not prosecuted, so, you know, in no way can I say that he was guilty of that crime, but uh, that was one of the stories that came forward. So the two women that were sexually assaulted, and that was reported in 2005, that went to trial this year in Nevada. Um, <laughs> amazing little story about that one. When the sexual assault happened in 2005, it turned out right right after that sexual assault happened, I mean, rangers were swarming the places when we were teaching one of our classes for uh, Bureau of Erotic Discourse, F-E-B-G-D's. And the title that year, like I had mentioned, was How to Get Laid at Burning Man. Well, in the trial, this man's attorney brought up the fact that heebie-jeebies is a sex camp because they had a class there called How to Get Laid at Burning Man. And the lady who was assaulted in 2003 but was not going to trial was there for moral support and was able to let the the prosecutor know, hey, I, I know about this Bureau of Erotic Discourse and I know exactly what that class is about. Let me print you out the notes from that class. And so then they were able to bring up in trial that Bureau of Erotic Discourse is about sexual assault prevention and that one of our biggest things on there is silence is not consent. Because that was one of his things is, well, she wasn't screaming no when he was massaging her. Well, Unfortunately, any psychologist will tell you one of the very most common reactions to someone being sexually assaulted or any other situation is to just freeze up. It's the scared rabbit, you know, where you get completely still, completely freeze up. You can't make any noise. It's horrible when it happens to you, but if you've ever experienced it or seen somebody go through it, it's awful because you're completely paralyzed. Well, that's what had happened to this woman. So in an amazing twist of karma... Uh, one of the things that he was trying to use to get himself out of being convicted of rape is our class that was put in place to not only prevent things like this, but partially because one of the many stories that we had originally heard about was the lady who was assaulted by him in 2003 but didn't report it. And so karma has a funny way of working out. This group was partially founded because of his actions in, in a interesting way we were able to participate in in his conviction for a sexual assault by saying that in our community doesn't tolerate this kind of behavior so that, that's kind of a proud moment for us we're very uh, and may I say the three women who went through this and the two women who had to testify are my heroes they went through I mean one of them had to come down from Canada for every single one of these trials and she came down from Canada to make sure this was taken care of. So um, she's my hero. <laughs> they're, they're amazing women. This is really, really difficult to go through. And 
it's a, it's a hallmark moment for us all as far as showing that we won't tolerate this kind of behavior in our community. The uh, sense of the Rangers do an absolutely wonderful job. Yes. <laughs> I'm a big fan of the Rangers. <laughs> They've been amazing. Sounds like a real manhunt. It was. Actually, it was. A, I don't know if you were at Burning Man in 2005 or not. Um, I'm trying to remember what day it was on. It was either a Tuesday or Wednesday, I think. And it was a big deal. I mean, it was the gates were closed. No one was allowed out. They were. It was a full-on manhunt for this guy. They put out flyers with this photo, and they swept the city until they found him. <laughs> it was amazing. It was really, it's amazing that they do, they, they are serious. Our city is very serious yeah. about not allowing crime uh, like that to happen. Uh, that's that's incredible. Considering how difficult it is to find your best friend. Um, <laughs> I, I have a hard time finding my underwear in the morning, let alone, <laughs> let alone anything else. Hey now. Well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> We, we kind of come out to Burning Man to, to be in a relatively safe circumstance. Um, and some people take the opportunity to, to do drugs and to, you know, party with strangers or people they haven't Absolutely. met before. If you're, if you're going to go out and, you know, you're going out to Burning Man and you're going out, what are some of the things that you can do to sort of safeguard yourself? That's a great question. Um, and that's one that I've answered. You know, how do you safeguard yourself on the playa? And still have fun. How do you go out and dance and meet new people and participate in whatever type of freedom of expression it is you choose to, but still be safe? Number one, whether you're going out to the playa solo or whether you're going with a partner or some friends or a group, use the buddy system and have a conversation before you go out when you're sober what you expect from the evening, what is okay, what isn't okay, and what to do in just in case. Um, this is really good, especially if you choose to partake in whatever substances make you less than sober, which is going to impair your judgment. Um, the other thing is, is, you know, keep an eye on your drink and food. As much as I would like to think that nobody does anything bad, there's two things that I've heard a lot of. One, people accidentally eating something or drinking something that wasn't what they thought it was. Um, when somebody says, hey, would you like a cookie? Mm-hmm. Ask them what's in the cookie. If somebody offers you a piece of pizza, ask them what's in the pizza. I mean, a lot of people just assume that if you're there, you want whatever happens to happen, when in reality, there's a lot of us who are like, um, no, thank you. <laughs> and it's your body. You, you get to choose what goes into it, so ask. You know, once again, verbal communication. Number two, if you're drinking, and there's a lot of great bars out there, everyone says bring your own cup. I'll go one step further. Bring your own cup that you can somehow attach to your person that has a lid on it. The reason why is that the only person that takes the lid on and off your cup is you. You know what is in that cup. Um, I always have a, I have like a squeezy bottle, kind of one with a carabiner on it that hooks to, I have a pod belt. And that way, I, you know, I'm the only one that takes a lid off the cup. I watch them when they put it in the cup if I'm getting something to drink at another place, and then I put the lid back on. I've never been dosed on the playa. So, you know, that's a good rule. And I mean, it's a good rule for all of us. You should be self-sufficient. And part of being self-sufficient is bring your own darn cup. <laughs> 
the thing that we haven't talked about is what do you do when? And that is when it's affecting somebody else and you see it and it gives you that bad feeling, but it's not affecting you. You know, this is really hard and I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to hold any punches. This is the most awkward thing. So this is why I teach these classes because, quite frankly, I think it's really rotten to put other people in a situation where they look at you and they go, ooh, I feel uncomfortable. I feel like I should do something, but I don't know what to do. So I'd rather people not put each other in this situation, but if you're in a situation where you're out at one of the bars or the clubs or on an art car or in the middle of the playa and you see a situation that let maybe somebody is really, really, really inebriated and it just doesn't feel right. And, I mean, we've all been there. We've seen the, the girl who's like, I'm so drunk. Yeah. You, know? <laughs> you know, the running joke is it's the sorority girl mating call. <laughs> but the problem is, this isn't a joke. You know, if, there, if you really want to go out and have a good time, be sober enough to say yes. You shouldn't need something to liquor you up. And if you see something that bad and you see this guy who's kind of going, oh, hey, why come back to my tent? And she's really, really messed up and it doesn't feel right. It's okay. Walk over and say, hey, you know, you seem really, really drunk. Where are your friends? Where are your campmates? You know what? You seem like maybe you're not making good choices right now. Would you like me to walk you back to your campmates so that, you have someone you know. I mean, you don't have to make any judgments, but step in and offer to maybe assist somebody who is confused or lost or is making poor choices. Um, one of my dear friends is Reigns where he said that half of his job is just being somebody's parent, looking at him going, shaking his head and going, don't put that in your mouth. You don't know where it's been. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> you know, and we have those moments out there where you look at that, you look at your buddy and you look at the, you know, and you look at who they're with and you go, dude, don't put that in your mouth. You don't know where it's been. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, <laughs> you know? I, I, I'm starting to get inspired. I, I think we should get stickers that, you know, when you see somebody who's obviously having difficulties communicating their desires or boundaries, that we should have these stickers that say, go to bed and you just slap one on somebody. <laughs> I love that. Oh, my gosh. I think you've given me a new idea for this year. That is the best idea ever. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm totally, I'm stealing your idea. I'm going, I will have to look into making stickers. <laughs> How many workshops do you have planned for this uh, this coming year? Yeah. We have three planned for this year. Mm -hmm. Two at Blue Heaven and one at the Booby Bar. Okay. And how well? How are people going to know the when and where's on the playa for this? Well, two ways. We, we are going to be in the who, what, when, where, so you okay. can look it up. Okay. Um, also, uh, our propaganda is everywhere. <laughs> we will be in a potty near you. Awesome. So go to your local porta potty, and um, in between holding your nose, you can look at the poster and see when our next class is. <laughs> nice. Is there anything that you can think of that we haven't quite covered um, yet? I think we got it all except for our need for volunteers as far as who we're looking for, what we're looking for, and what we need. Um, our, okay. Yeah, we really do awesome. need more volunteers because this is a grassroots organization. So if this is something that speaks to you on a large or a small scale, uh, there's lots of ways to volunteer. Uh, we need people to help put up potty posters. We need help people helping us take them down because we've got to take down what we put up. 
um, we could use people just to be at the workshops because not only those of us who teach, mm-hmm. we also need people to just be around, hand things out, be there to be just a listening ear. It's amazing how far just nodding your head and going, I hear you, or repeating back what a person says can help in certain circumstances. Um, we need people, we're trying to design a logo. So, you know, hey, if you've got an artistic bent and you would like to donate some of your time to designing a logo for us, we would really like you. Um, we could use people to just help in other ways as far as graphic design, printing, um, organizing other things because we know we'd like to branch out. The only reason we haven't is we just don't have enough manpower. And, you know, none of us wants to be anchored down to doing all this stuff every single day of the burn. We want to have fun too. So the more people we have, the nice thing is you can do just a little bit of work and it goes a real long way. And if you can't do any of that, I've got a bunch of buttons for you people to pass out. So if you just want to stop by, grab some buttons to hand out to your campmates, we're always looking for people to do that, and that's easy. Are you going to have, like, uh, a camp or something people can Um to? I camp with Spike's Vampire Bar, which is a center camp okay. every year. So, I mean, I'm so easy to find. Just hang, run by Spike's Vampire Bar, ask for Gigi. I'm at center camp, and they'll direct you to me. They're used to it. <laughs> They've been having me do this you know, there for years now, and we'll load you up with whatever you're looking for, whether it is to help put up posters or get buttons or just ask me a few questions. Oh, I forgot to tell you. Did I tell you we have T-shirts and hot pants and stuff available? I forgot to I totally oh, forgot no, to tell you that, huh? Yeah, if you go to our website, our one and only form of fundraising we do, we it's either out of our own pockets, which aren't very deep, or we sell T-shirts and little hot booty shorts and things that have different of the bed logos on them, whether it's a bed or communications, best lubricant. They're really kind of hot numbers, so you can actually get those at our website. Thanks, Gigi. I, I appreciate you taking the time. Um, you know, all the way down Tucson, Arizona, as I recall. Yes, I am, where it's night and nice, uh, balmy, 110, 112 today or something. <laughs> uh, so you'll, you'll, you'll be going to the playa for the cooler weather. Exactly. Yeah, I, I go, I go, I go to Burning Man because I like the cool break from the heat of the summer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we'll be looking for you at, at the playa. Thank you, Burncast. I love you guys. And thank you, Gigi. We love you. We love Gigi. She so rocks. That is such an amazing thing she does. Oh, absolutely. Bed is doing amazing work. It's just so wonderful how they're getting the word out. And they have a lot of fun doing it, too. Yeah, it sounds like they do. Yeah, so I, I'm really happy that we have the opportunity to help support their efforts. Um, Why did you do this piece, Quinn? Well, Besides me asking you to do it. <laughs> well, really, I mean, sex, you know, whether it's between, you know, longtime lovers, lifetime partners, or, you know. Or your Costco soulmate. Yeah, or your Costco soulmate. You know, something casual. It's a very intimate act, and it should be a consensual act. Mm -hmm. There just isn't room for sexual assault or sexual predators on the playa. You know, I also spent a little time talking with Joseph Pred, 
and he's very supportive of bed and he's very appreciative of all their efforts on in getting the word out to people do you want to tell us who joseph pred is um joseph pred is uh the emergency services operational chief uh, basically if you have any question whether it be sexual assault or anything to do with emergency services at burning man you can contact him at 911 burningman.org that that that's burningman.com <laughs> i'm sorry um <laughs> Okay, so if you want to get in touch with Joseph, um, you can write him at 911 at burningman.com. Joseph, uh, we, we spent a little bit of time talking, and one of the things that he, uh, that he hit was that you don't actually even have to go to a ranger station to report this. If you're someplace safe and comfortable, you can send a friend, a campmate out to them and find a ranger and they will bring the services to you. You can contact, you know, reach out to anyone with a radio. If you're comfortable doing so, you can even talk to law enforcement. From what I've heard, you know, law enforcement has been very good about working with people who've been, you know, sexually assaulted or the victims of any sort of violence on the playa. But a lot of people feel more comfortable talking to burners, which is so nice that, you know, we have the rangers and they're great and they're everywhere. Also, the medical uh, service staff, when you go into the medical clinic, they'll check you out and then they'll bring in the uh, mental health services folks. Mm -hmm. And those folks are all burners, too. They're all volunteers. There are actually there are 10 highly trained and dedicated psychiatric and mental health professionals, from what I understand. Well, yeah. Um, these folks in the default world do the same sort of thing. Uh -huh. they, they work with victims of uh, sexual assault and, and uh, rape victims. So they're fully prepared. They know what they're doing. And they'll act as a, um, like a victim's advocate for you. So especially if you're a little leery or it's like, hey, I was high, is that okay? You know, they'll talk you through the process. They'll help you in your interactions with law enforcement. Uh, whether or not you decide to press charges or not, they'll be there to kind of help you through it. That's great. Yeah. And you know what? Uh, speaking of help, I just want to hit one more time. Bed needs a logo. Three years and they don't have an official I logo. I can't believe that. So if anyone out there has some graphic design skills or some printing services, because you know how expensive printing can be. Yeah. Bed needs some love. Bed totally needs love. And I want to see those stickers uh, that I was talking to her about to get printed up. Where can they go? Oh, well, I'm, we'll have the links up on the website, right? Right. At, at uh, burncast.net. But uh, you can go directly to bureauoferoticdiscourse.org, and there's a little page in there for contacting them. Matter of fact, I think they're also looking for someone to help them with the redesign of their website as well. So, you know, if we just had some creative people in this community... <laughs> Also at our website, burncast.net, you can also download a public service announcement from the Bureau of Erotic Discourse. It's called Sexual Assault and Rape at Burning Man, How to Help Yourself or a Friend. Excellent. Well, Bob, thanks again for having me. Oh, sweetie, thank you so much. You have been listening to Burncast, a podcast spreading the flames about the art, culture, and community of Burning Man. For more information, visit our website, burncast.net. To contact us, please call the Burncast hotline at 775-363-5861. 
or leave us a message by clicking on the MyChingo audio recorder at our website. A very special thanks to Lecter of NoSpectators.com for hosting these podcasts. Did I mention that I'm single this year?